Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Tuesday. It's the 16th of August. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Grant Gerlach. Senate candidate Mike Franken says he believes political division is weakening community ties in Iowa. The former Navy admiral from Sioux City is running against Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, who's seeking an eighth term in office. Speaking at the Iowa State Fair, Franken criticized national party leaders for supporting a brand of politics that he says turns neighbors against each other. And it's the Iowa that I don't recognize, where dinners are awkward, conversations are jilted, stilted, where you're not so sure you're, if you're friends with your neighbor anymore. Franken, who's running as the Democratic Party nominee, told fairgoers that as a Senate candidate, he'll put country over party. He spoke yesterday at the Des Moines Register political soapbox. Another Democratic candidate, a congressional candidate, Ryan Melton, says he wants to fix the problems contributing to rural population losses. IPR's Kendall Crawford has that from yesterday's state fair. Melton is challenging Republican incumbent Randy Feenstra to represent the 4th Congressional District. He says his opponent has not done enough to improve the quality of life. Melton says he believes that rural America can draw in more young residents by investing in health care, education, and raising the minimum wage. And the reason why population decline is so important to worry about is because if you're losing population base, it leaves your hospitals, businesses, schools, and community much more vulnerable. The 4th District has long been a conservative stronghold for the state. Former Congressman Steve King held the seat for two decades until Feenstra defeated him in the 2020 Republican primary. Melton made his comments at the Des Moines Register political soapbox at the Iowa State Fair. I'm Kendall Crawford, IPR News. A Polk County judge has ruled that the names of landowners who could be affected by a proposed CO2 pipeline project must be made public. The decision is being applauded by the Iowa chapter of the Sierra Club, which has opposed the plans put forth by Summit Carbon Solutions. The ruling late last week caps a nearly six-month fight to force the Iowa Utilities Board to publish the names under Iowa's open records law. Sierra Club Conservation Program Coordinator Jess Mazur says the rulings bring more transparency to decisions made over the pipeline. If people know who each other are on that list, it gives them the opportunity to communicate and to organize and to talk to each other. Summit wanted to keep the names confidential, Mazur says, to prevent landowners from organizing opposition to the company. She expects Summit to appeal the ruling. A leader at the University of Iowa College of Education says he's aware of many K-12 schools across the state that have multiple teacher openings shortly before the school year is set to begin. Associate Dean Mark McDermott says the college routinely gets calls from dozens of school administrators as fall approaches, checking on recent graduates who may be available to fill teaching jobs. There were always some very specific content areas that were shortage areas. You know, we would always have people calling about physics teachers or special education teachers. And now it's really almost all content areas and in all types of positions. McDermott says shortages affect districts differently but exist across the state. He says the university is involved in efforts to reduce teacher shortages by recruiting more teachers and helping them stay in the profession. Police in Waterloo say a man who was shot and killed by officers over the weekend was holding a pellet gun designed to look like a real pistol. 
The Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation is looking into the incident where 32-year-old Michael Ahrens died at an Iowa City hospital after being shot by police Saturday afternoon. Investigators say police responded to reports of a man waving a gun around at an ice cream shop and encountered Ahrens on a road. They say he refused to drop in order to drop the gun before they shot him. It's IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Iowa is a leader in wind energy production. The large wind turbines we've seen expanding in the state over the last decade have started showing up more and more in middle America, from Texas up through the Dakotas. But wind power only accounts for under 10% of the nation's electricity generation. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act that President Joe Biden is expected to sign today extends a tax credit for wind energy production through 2025. Iowa Public Radio's Clay Masters reports on some of the hurdles the industry will face in ramping up production. We got 4.30. We'll call a meeting to order. We'll start off with the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by a moment of silence. I pledge allegiance to the flag. There were hardly any empty chairs at the Woodbury County Board of Supervisors meeting last week at the county courthouse in Sioux City. The supervisors were there to consider an amendment to an ordinance that would severely limit where wind farms can be built within the county. Most of the landowners who showed up want the distance between wind turbines to go from 1,250 feet to 2,500 feet. Farmer Daniel Hare from Hornick showed up with signatures in hand that he'd collected at the county fair. And I have right here in my hands over 720 signatures from residents of Woodbury County. Landowners complained they didn't want the towers on their landscape, that the flashing lights would be bothersome at night, and that the money the local county would bring in just wasn't worth it. Mid-American Energy says 60 landowners have already signed up for its Siouxland wind farm, and they've invested $1.4 million in the project. Adam Jablonski with Mid-American told the Board of Supervisors the 2,500-foot setback would wipe out any buildable land. So 2,500-foot setback would effectively allow somebody a half mile away to decide what you can and can't do with your property. Farmer Daniel Hare told me after the meeting, Woodbury County is just too populated. I think maybe there's a time and a place for wind, but it's not here in this county where all these people live. The problem is with Mid-America arguing that 2,500 feet would kill the project. Well, my argument to them is it's not meant to be here in Woodbury County. Build elsewhere. Other counties in Iowa have moved to restrict wind production. In Madison County, the Board of Supervisors put an effective ban on it. Supervisor Diane Fitch says part of her concern comes from not trusting the large energy companies. Let's say they start losing money and they say, you know what, we really can't afford to pay you this year. What are you going to do about it? They're so big, they'd keep you in court till your great-grandchildren are dead. But Heather Zeichel with the American Clean Power Association says the pros of wind energy outweigh any cons. Wind is a free resource. It is not subject to the whims of what's happening in Ukraine or the global commodities prices for natural gas. Uh, Farmers and communities are benefiting um, from the the taxes and fees paid uh, to landowners and and state and local governments. Zeichel says Iowa can be a model for the rest of the country because a whopping 40 percent of the state's electricity comes from wind power and it garners bipartisan support. While some landowners here are resisting plans to expand wind power, 
Others have had turbines on their land for years, like David Johnson, who has four turbines on his farm near the Minnesota border near Riceville, Iowa. He receives $2,300 a month from them. Oh, my gosh. You cannot believe the, the positive cash flows that that creates and minimal impact. Johnson says the regular payments from the turbines allowed his adult son to come back and work on the farm. The industry and environmental groups are banking on landowners like Johnson to allow new turbines. There's another challenge, increasing the storage and transmission lines to pump that energy throughout the country. Carrie Johansson is with the nonprofit Iowa Environmental Council. She says a new set of transmission lines went up this summer in the Midwest. That will greatly enhance the ability of all the states in the region to increase adoption of renewable energy um, and then share those renewable energy resources across state lines. If the wind is blowing in western Iowa, maybe it's not blowing in western Michigan. Um, And there's the ability for Iowa then to benefit from selling that wind when we have access into Michigan and then vice versa. Wherever the wind is blowing, environmental scientists hope this historic investment in clean energy will help steer the country away from the worst impacts of climate change and that more landowners remain open for these turbines to fill the countryside and provide clean energy. Clay Masters, IPR News. Thanks for catching Here First from IPR News today. Be sure to subscribe so that you can listen every day. I'm Grant Gerlach. 